welcome. Let's go ahead and pray. We'll dismiss our teen class. Uh, Father God, thank you, Lord, for the day today. Uh, thank you, Lord, for uh, the beauty of the sunshine and, Lord, the beauty of this building that you've uh, given to us, entrusted to us, uh, Lord, for your use, your purposes. I pray, Father, that you uh, meet with us now, Lord, and, and help us as we study together. Pray for the, the teen class as they uh, go now and uh, study together also. Lord, use this time, uh, edify us, build us up in your words. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. All right, uh, young people, you are dismissed. Uh, the rest of us, let's turn, please, to Revelation chapter 4 this morning. Revelation chapter 4. Uh, so recall, uh, in our travels through Revelation here, uh, we've seen the messages to the uh, seven individual churches now. They seem to be literal churches, Brother Mike. doesn't seem to be any reason to think uh, any, anything different than that. The Lord has given them messages. He's, uh, he's commended them as he's seen fit. He's cautioned them. He's warned them uh, as he saw fit. Uh, he uh, diagnosed problems uh, where he saw fit. Brother Ray, the Lord also gave them an answer, a spiritual solution uh, to the spiritual problems in those churches also. I'm going to say this again this morning. Aren't you glad that when we have spiritual problems or spiritual challenges, the Lord gives us answers? We just need to open our Bibles. We find those answers. Uh, Lord, help us to uh, discern uh, when there's a spiritual problem and, and give us hearts to open our Bibles to see uh, your answers. Well, this morning we come to Revelation chapter 4, and uh, we're, we're transitioning now from the, the messages to the churches in, in John's day. Uh, the Lord uh, gives uh, a vision of the throne room, and this will kind of harken back to our uh, first uh, lessons in Ezekiel also, and we'll make some comparisons as we did uh, when we were in Ezekiel. We kind of looked ahead to this chapter in Revelation. We'll look back to Ezekiel a little bit this morning as we see uh, these, uh, this vision of throne room of God. Uh, pretty quickly here, though, we, Mike, we're moving into the prophetic portion of the book. Uh, but uh, in, in route to that, John is blessed with this wonderful, wonderful vision uh, of the throne room. And so let's, let's be instructed and encouraged by it this morning. Uh, see Revelation 4, uh, here verse 1, uh, John describes what he saw. He sees a door and he hears a voice. Uh, chapter 4, verse 1, he, he writes, after this, so after the Lord, he recorded the messages to the churches, he says, after this, I looked uh, and behold, a door was opened in heaven. Imagine a vision of heaven, the third heaven. Uh, the place of the throne room. He said, uh, and the first voice which I heard was as it were of a what? A trumpet uh, talking with me, which said, come up hither uh, and I will show, show thee uh, things which must be uh, hereafter. So, right, we're, as I said, we're, we're transitioning now to the prophetic portion of the book. Uh, remember, uh, if you look back in chapter one, verse 19, there's the outline uh, the Lord gave John. Just look there real fast, please. Chapter 1, verse 19. The Lord commanded John, he said, write the things which thou hast seen uh, and the things which are uh, and the things uh, which shall be hereafter. So there's three part, three part there we go, outline uh, to the book uh, and, and route to the final part, which is obviously the vast majority of the book 
Uh, John is privileged to have this vision of the throne room. And uh, Zach, I think we could say it's, it's the place from which the prophecy that is the majority of the book comes. Uh, and again, the Lord says to John, come up hither uh, and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. So uh, prophecy of future things, things which be future to John, which evidently are still future uh, to us also. Uh, we'll, after this chapter, move, moving in chapter 5 and beyond, we'll see uh, prophecy of the tribulation period uh, all in great detail, right? All the various uh, uh, judgments, the seals and so forth. Uh, being uh, meted out, being being prophesied, and then Brother Ray allusions to the things after the tribulation period um, as well. So let's just make a couple observations, uh, additional observations about uh, this verse. Uh, he heard a voice, as it were, of a trumpet. Uh, Ernie, no doubt, sir, uh, good morning, no doubt, this is the voice of the Lord, uh, which he hears. Um, you don't have to turn, or, or maybe, maybe you should. Let's, um, let's go back and find Ezekiel and, and just kind of keep your place there also because we'll look back there. Uh, sorry, I should have had you do that before. We'll look back there a couple of times this morning, several times this morning. Um, but go back to Ezekiel. You find Ezekiel, of course, in the Old Testament. Uh, Ezekiel chapter 1 and verse 24. So you can find Ezekiel. Uh, look there. It's been here Wednesday night, not too hard. Uh, chapter 1, verse 24, uh, Ezekiel's uh, own vision, the vision the Lord gave to Ezekiel, uh, really, to, I think, as we've said a number of times in our study of Ezekiel, to authenticate his call of the Lord, uh, to, to authenticate, yeah, it's the Lord calling Ezekiel. Uh, it's the Lord that will give him all of the, the message, the prophecy of this larger book of Ezekiel. Uh, but he heard an he heard a, a interesting sound also. Uh, there in chapter 1, verse 24, Ezekiel 1, 24, he writes, When they went, I heard the noise of their wings, the noise of great waters, these, these creatures that he saw, the cherubim, uh, as the voice of the Almighty, the voice of speech, uh, as the noise of an host, when they stood, they let their wings down. So, um, it's just, Mike, it's just interesting. Uh, Ezekiel and John both have the privilege uh, to see uh, the throne room of heaven. They both have the privilege to hear uh, some of the sounds uh, in, in of that place. Uh, there's allusions to the sound of the voice of God here and there. Imagine the privilege. Imagine, Brother Ray, how awesome this would be. Uh, imagine how humble both men must have been um, uh, at this privilege. So uh, he hears a voice, as it were, of a trumpet. Let's come back now to uh, Revelation to see the second verse now. Uh, we'll flip back and forth, so don't, don't be discouraged by that. Keep your place in, in both places. Uh, in verse 2, Revelation uh, 4, 2, John says, And immediately I was in the Spirit. Uh, and behold, a throne was set in heaven, uh, and one sat on the throne. Um, if you want to flip back, you can to Ezekiel 37, or you can just listen. If flipping back and forth is, is, is difficult, uh, just, you could just listen. Uh, but um, Ezekiel also said that, that he was carried in the Spirit. Uh, Ezekiel 37, which we have not seen in our study yet, verse 1 
Uh, he writes, the hand of the Lord was upon me and carried me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley, uh, which was full of bones, the valley of the bones. We, you're probably familiar with that. We'll get there, Lord willing, uh, in our study. So uh, both men record seeing the throne room of heaven. Both men record uh, hearing sounds from within the throne room. Uh, both men record being carried in the spirit uh, to this place. And uh, Zach, no doubt, this, this is a supernatural event. Uh, the Holy Spirit is um, affecting this experience, uh, what they see, what they hear. This is of the Lord. I think that's the bottom line. Uh, both men make it clear that they understand this is, you know, they're not feverish and have Mike having a vision because they're, they're sick. It's not like that. It's this is this not a physical thing or natural thing. It's a supernatural thing. This is of, of, of the Lord. And so uh, both men make that clear. We, should, we probably could say it better and say both men make it clear that this is clearly of, uh, of the Lord. Of course, we, we understand, we're reminded that Paul uh, also had a vision of the third heaven. We won't flip there this morning, but if you... Uh, want to make a note, that's in 2 Corinthians 12 uh, and verse 1. Uh, he wrote of himself in the third person. You remember that? He said, I, I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago, whether in the body I cannot tell or whether out of the body I cannot tell, God knoweth such as one caught up to the third heaven. Uh, so he pretty clearly is referring to himself in the third person there very humbly uh, as, as uh, John also uh, wrote of himself in the third person, very humbly. Uh, so, you know, there's, there's a number of men. Uh, can you think of another man um, who had a vision of heaven? Uh, can you think of another man? Um, Stephen. <laughs> yeah, Stephen, uh, as he was being martyred, had the privilege, uh, enjoyed the same privilege. Um, Ernie will we'll have the privilege also to, to be there one day, uh, not, not just a vision from this place, uh, but to actually be there one day will be an even greater privilege. Um, that's, that's a wonderful hope that, that we have. Um, so uh, let's come back to our verse here. Uh, John uh, in verse two says, uh, he saw a throne um, and one, uh, one is supplied by translators, sat on the throne. Of course, we know this, this is the Lord. Uh, Ezekiel also saw uh, in uh, chapter 1, we won't, well, yeah, do flip back there. If you have Ezekiel marked, uh, look back in Ezekiel 1, verse 26. Uh, his vision, he, he writes there, above the firmament there was over their heads, these creatures, these angels, uh, the likeness of a throne. So both men saw a throne. Uh, as the appearance of a sapphire stone, and upon the likeness of the throne was the likeness as the appearance of a man uh, above upon it. So uh, both men describe a throne, both uh, Ezekiel describes uh, uh, the appearance of a man, uh, like, uh, like the, appearance, the likeness as the appearance of a man uh, upon it, a throne uh, in a throne room. Zach, um, what's the significance of a throne? Why is a throne significant? Kings sit upon thrones. And kings have what? They have authority. Amen. They have kingdoms, uh, and they have great authority. Christ, of course, is Lord of lords and king of kings. 
and so, uh, Mike, as, as the, the Lord draws us to the, the thinking of, to seeing a, a throne room and a throne, uh, the one who is um, the, the appearance of a man upon the throne, of course, that's the Lord. Um, this, no doubt, is the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, he has great authority. He has the throne of a king because he is a king. He has great authority. Of course, he has a kingdom also, and we, we look forward to being uh, in uh, the thousand-year millennial kingdom also. Let's continue uh, here in Revelation 4. Um, John describes the, the beauty uh, that he sees uh, he, and, and the beauty of the one who sits upon the throne. Uh, very interesting. Verse 3, he says, And he that sat uh, was to look upon like a jasper, these precious stones, uh, and a sar sardine or sardine stone. Uh, and there was a rainbow round about the throne uh, in sight like unto an emerald. And so um, the, he, he is described here as being uh, like, his appearance is, is described as like uh, these precious stones. Brother Gary, what do you make of that? Um, what, what might his appearance being like precious stones uh, communicate to us? Zach's, I'm saying, gloriousness. Yeah, the glory of, of the Lord. Uh, yeah, perfect answer. The glory, I'll just evaluate your answer, sorry. The glory of, of the Lord. Uh, yeah, and you could probably add some other words to that also. Um, his value, his worth, uh, precious stones, because they're uh, rare, they're valuable, they, they are valued, they should be valued, uh, you could argue. Uh, but the glory and value uh, of the Lord. Um, I guess we could say also the, his beauty. This is, this is, this would appear to be uh, here, here in John's vision, this would be uh, the glorified, resurrected Christ who has returned, who has bodily ascended back to the third heaven. Zach, the first heaven being the place where the birds fly, right? The second heaven being the place of the sun, moon, and stars. The third heaven being the place of the uh, throne room of God. That's uh, the Lord's uh, cosmology as we see in, in uh, Genesis 1 and 2. Uh, but uh, the great beauty of the glorified, resurrected Lord. Um, there's a number of places, several places in Scripture we see different uh, descriptions of different elements of, of his appearance. His eyes, his hair, uh, his appearance like precious stones. There, there's a beauty uh, to the Lord also. Um, in my notes I wrote these, these gems, they're, they're precious, they're valuable, uh, they're beautiful. I want to take an awful lot of time to consider the significance, potential um, more specific significance of these stones. But let me, let me share a little bit, just a few observations uh, before uh, we move on. Um, in my notes, I wrote uh, Sardin and Jasper were the first and last. Well, let me go back. Uh, Jasper, Sardin, and Emerald, all three stones uh, in the Old Testament represented a tribe uh, in the breastplate of the Old Testament high priest. Jasper was the last of the 12 stones representing the 12 tribes uh, which were mounted in the breastplate uh, of the high priest. So uh, you may recall that the high priest uh, in the Old Testament wore a breastplate uh, and in the breastplate, as we just said, 
there were uh, precious gems or stones which represented each of, of, of the 12 tribes. Zach, why, why do you suppose um, he, why do you suppose he wore that as he carried out his priestly duties? Any thoughts on that? Uh, probably, um, probably the idea is that he's representing them, right? Uh, I think that would be the idea. As he carries out his duties as, as priest uh, or intercessor before the Lord, if you would, uh, clearly he's representing Christ, the ultimate final intercessor between men um, and the Lord. But I, I think these the stones that very clearly represent the tribes uh, simply indicate that he's uh, he is interceding with the Lord as he carries out those duties on behalf of those that are represented or pictured uh, in, in the, the breastplate uh, that he wore. Uh, the sardine and jasper stones are the first and last stones uh, on the breastplate. And so here the Lord is described this way also. Uh, it's been suggested that the first and last stones a reference to one being the first and, and one being the last is a representation or reference to all of them together, uh, the, the first and the last. Uh, some have said that, that perhaps the, the Lord's appearance uh, may uh, reflect the idea or, or communicate the idea that uh, he, is, he is, Brother Ray, interceding in the throne room uh, for all who have come to him from the first to the last. Uh, his appearance literally is, is from the first stone to the last stone of the breastplate. Uh, no doubt that has significance. These things do have significance uh, in Scripture. So uh, as the Old Testament priest carried out his Old Testament functions representing all of the tribes, the appearance of Christ literally has a visual allusion to that same idea. He is interceding for all of his people from the first to the last who, who come to him. And so that's just kind of a, a, a neat idea to be aware of. The, uh, again, the creativity of the Lord in um, causing us to consider and to reflect upon the, these ideas that have great theological significance. Uh, no one needs to be concerned if they come to Christ about whether or not he's interceding for uh, for them in the throne room. He's interceding uh, for everyone who's come to him from the first to the last. That's big job, Zach. Uh, that's big job, but uh, no doubt he, he's carrying that out perfectly well. Um, it's also interesting that uh, Satan in Ezekiel 28, you don't have to turn there, but uh, in Ezekiel 28, uh, Satan is described um, in the garden uh, with a covering that included precious stones that uh, included the jasper, uh, sardine, or sardius, as it's called there, and, and emerald also. Uh, it's very interesting. Um, I don't know if you have thoughts about that, but um, we know that he was created with great beauty and, and great ability and, and, and great talent. Um, that, that what, Zach, what, was, what, what spiritual problem did he uh, yield himself to as a result of that pride, pride right and so yeah uh lord help us to stand guard against pride uh any beauty we have any talent that we have any ability that we have any spiritual gift that we exercise that's all from the lord he's he's the one that made us he's the one that designed us he's the one that gifts us uh he's he's the one that gets all of the credit there's no place for 
Uh, there's no place for pride in that at all. Um, it is also worth mentioning just quickly that um, you probably remember that uh, later on in Revela Revelation, uh, following the millennium, we see a description of the, the New Jerusalem uh, and its foundations. And some of these same uh, precious stones are described as being a part of the foundation there also. A lot of significance in that, no doubt. Um, the walls described, the foundations described. Um, Zach, it, it, it could uh, and, and might well be simply um, described that, I, I believe it's an accurate description of, of the foundations of, of the New Jerusalem, that as they actually will be, of course, not challenging that, but uh, the significance of that perhaps uh, is intended to communicate to God's people. Again, this is a place for you. Uh, God's people, as they were represented in the breastplate of the priest in the Old Testament, uh, the one who would be interceding on their behalf with the Lord in the Old Testament. Uh, now Christ, who's the, uh, the, the fulfillment of the type who was the Old Testament priest, uh, is interceding for the people, all, all of his people, uh, before the Lord. Uh, and because of that, our uh, salvation is uh, assured, uh, it's secure. Uh, and because of that, we have an eternal home with the Lord, uh, ultimately in the New Jerusalem following the millennium. And so uh, I, think, I think here there's, there's a picture of that, that should encourage us, cause us to be hopeful uh, in, as we consider the, the unity uh, of, these, of this imagery uh, from the Old Testament to the present to the future. Uh, it's very interesting and, and no doubt very, very significant. So uh, something to ponder, something to think about as we make our way uh, through this book. Let's look at verse four now. Uh, chapter four, verse four. Uh, John sees uh, 24 here who are called elders. You remember this verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 4. Round about the throne uh, were four uh, and 20 seats, uh, and upon the seats I saw four and 20 elders sitting, uh, clothed in white raiment, and they had on their heads crowns uh, of gold. Uh, they have upon their heads crowns of gold. Uh, so first question maybe is, what's, what's this all about? Why are there 24 seats? Why are there 24 elders? Uh, share with you this thought from Dr. Sorensen. He observes in Matthew 19, 28, Jesus told his disciples, Verily I say unto you that ye uh, which have followed me in the regeneration, when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of his glory, uh, ye shall sit upon 12 thrones. Uh, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. He says perhaps 24 thrones might refer uh, to the 12 thrones ruling over Israel and 12 for rule uh, over the nations as well. And so uh, this, this might have been, uh, this could be prophetic or it might have been present uh, in, in John's day. Um, maybe both are true. Uh, John saw in his day 24 thrones, 24 elders, uh, but also it's possible this, this could be a prophecy of the future, something that would continue uh, into the future as well that would be part of uh, the fulfillment of the prophecy. Christ said, hey, you, you will rule uh, and reign with me um, uh, in, in the future. 
uh, uh, four and 20 seats uh, here, seats is the same word that's translated throne, uh, which is very interesting. Uh, so these 24, uh, these are places of authority that will be exercised uh, by 24, four and 20 elders, um, elders, um, the word uh, elsewhere in scripture refers to the office of pastor, for example, 1 Timothy 5.1, uh, and the, the maturity and, uh, of the pastor, so forth, we, we understand how that word uh, is used. Uh, the elders are pictured, uh, he says, set upon the myself four elders uh, sitting, uh, clothed in white raiment. Uh, no doubt, Mike, this is a picture of, of their salvation as We've seen uh, allusions of this in the message to uh, Sardis and to the Laodiceans, uh, this idea of th them being clothed in white, a picture of the salvation uh, that they've been able to put on as, as a result of the cross. So uh, possibly here again, an allusion to the, the fulfillment of Christ's prophecy uh, regarding his, his people ruling and reigning with him. Uh, in a place of authority, not, not equal to his authority, but uh, given authority by him as the one who has final, ultimate, perfect authority, uh, save people carrying out uh, rule and reign under the authority of Christ uh, seem to be the idea here. Four and 20 seats upon the seats I saw, four and 20 elders sitting uh, clothed in white raiment and the hat on their heads crowns uh, crowns of, of gold, uh, rewards for service, no doubt, is uh, what is in view here. Let's go on here. Verse 5, John describes the light around the throne. Uh, he's already described uh, a rainbow, as Ezekiel did. It says, out of the throne proceeding light, proceeded lightnings uh, and thunderings and voices. There's an awesome scene here, lightnings and thunderings uh, and voices. Uh, and there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits uh, of God. And so that last phrase there, we've looked at that a number of times recently at, as we've encountered it. Um, we looked all the way back in Exodus and we looked at, at Isaiah, uh, Isaiah 11, 2. Uh, the, seven, the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom, understanding, spirit of counsel, and might, spirit of knowledge of the fear of the Lord. The, uh, the perfections of, of the Holy Spirit seems to be uh, what's in view here, the seven lamps of fire burning before the throne. Uh, I think there, there are literally seven lamps of fire burning before the throne. No, no reason not to think that, but uh, no doubt this is intended uh, to be a visual picture of the, the perfections of, of the Holy Spirit, uh, as we've seen back in Isaiah and some other places now also. Um, Zach can't help think also about how um, what we're seeing visually pictures certain truths. Well, the same, of course, is, is what we've seen recently in Ezekiel, right? The Lord is using uh, certain visual object lessons prophetically uh, to warn people. Here he's using uh, visual images uh, or visions uh, to teach truth about the throne room of God. And so uh, this is a lot more positive, obviously, than the uh, warnings that were pictured uh, in the last chapters of 
uh, Ezekiel that, that we've seen. Uh, verse 6 is very interesting. Um, John describes a sea of glass like unto uh, crystal. We've, we've seen this idea uh, in our recent study of Ezekiel also. Verse 6 says this, And before the throne there was a sea of glass like unto crystal. Uh, and so the idea here could be, as we discussed recently, uh, this, this could be, Brother Ray, the, the boundary, the, the physical boundary uh, of the physical creation uh, there um, at the third uh, heaven, uh, which would be at or near the boundary of a physical finite creation, uh, a sea of glass like unto crystal uh, in the midst of the throne, round about the throne, uh, and then these four beasts full of eyes before uh, and behind. And so uh, glass uh, or uh, waters might, might be the idea here. Uh, recently, we looked at Psalm 148 and verse 4. The psalmist says, praise him, ye heaven of heavens, and ye waters uh, that be above the heavens. Uh, above all three heavens seem to be the idea. So again, this, this idea of a sea of glass, a crystal sea, something like that, uh, at the boundary of creation would seem to be the idea. Uh, no doubt this is uh, a very beautiful scene uh, from beginning to end that, that John is seeing here. There's, there's an awesomeness to it, certainly, but the beauty of Christ upon the throne, uh, the beauty of uh, this sea of glass like unto crystal, uh, the beauty of the seven lamps, the light of, of the fire burning before the throne. Uh, very beautiful scene, Brother Mike. Lightnings and thunderings also. And so there's a, a, a fearfulness or an awesomeness uh, to it as well. After all, this is the throne room of the very God of the very heaven, the third heaven. And so uh, very, very wonderful uh, uh, scene here. Uh, if you still have Ezekiel Mark, flip back there to Ezekiel 1. If not, just listen. Um, Ezekiel described uh, a firmament what, that was the color of the terrible crystal. Um, now he's, he's looking uh, from the position of one underneath. John seems to be looking at it more straight on. But if, if you're there in Ezekiel, you have that mark still. Uh, look there in verse 22, Ezekiel 1:22. We saw this again recently. He says, "The likeness of the firmament upon the heads of the living creature was as the color of the terrible crystal uh, stretched forth over their heads." He goes on from there. So uh, again, the so many, um, so much agreement here in the uh, descriptions of the scene that these two men have, hundreds of years apart, um, uh, they, what they see, there, there's so much consistency here. Zach, I think you, you have two witnesses here to uh, the nature, the beauty, the awesomeness, the contents of uh, the throne room of heaven. It's, 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 it's very wonderful. Uh, let's pick it up and keep moving here. In verses um, eight through 11, uh, we have the privilege, as you recall, to see the worship uh, that John pictures, that John sees uh, pictured in the throne room. And uh, it's been said that verses 8 through 11, and, and that's down through the end of the chapter, uh, are the first of five hymns of praise uh, that uh, John uh, hears 
in, in his various visions. So the first of five hymns of praise uh, that he's privileged to, to see and to hear uh, in the various visions that the Lord gives him um, in this book. Uh, see, um, uh, let's look at verse 8. He says, four beasts, um, four beasts uh, had each of them six wings about him. Uh, bear with me for one moment, please. Uh, go back here. I skipped ahead. I don't want to do that. Uh, verse 7. First, uh, go back to verse 6. Before the throne there was a sea of glass like unto a crystal. We saw that in the midst of the throne. And round about the throne, here we go, uh, were four beasts full of eyes before and behind. We did see that. Uh, remember, Ezekiel describes these creatures also that he ultimately understands are angels. Uh, verse 7, the first beast was like a lion, the second like a calf. The third beast had the face as of a man. Uh, the fourth beast was like a flying eagle. Great consistency with Ezekiel also. We considered the potential significance uh, of each of those. Uh, and then verse 8, uh, and the four beasts had each of them six wings about him. They were full of eyes within. Uh, and now the worship, the, the worship, uh, and they rest not day or night. Uh, they rest not day or night, uh, saying, holy, 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 uh, Lord God Almighty, uh, which was and is uh, and is to come. Uh, that's, that's some pretty awesome worship, Brother Ernie. Uh, and it's, it's worship that consists of what? What, what, it, what are they doing, Zach? Um, when you look at the content of what they're saying, first of all, they rest not day or night. There's a diligence in their worship, right? That's a word that's come up. Uh, recently, there, there's a wonderful diligence uh, in their worship. They don't start and stop. They, they just continue to worship. Um, and then the content of their worship, what does it allude to in general? The, yeah, the characteristics of, of the Lord, his, his attributes. So they're, they're, they're praising God. They're, they're worshiping him, uh, yeah, for who he is, but, but for what he's like. You know, if you, if you struggle to figure out how, how you're going to worship the Lord someday, you just start praising him for what he's like. That's what uh, the, the content of the worship in the throne room that, that John is privileged to hear at least, that's, that's what it is. Uh, it's praising and worshiping and glorifying the Lord uh, for what he's like. They say, holy, holy, holy. Uh, well, that's easy enough to understand. They're, they're celebrating him for being holy. For be, what's that mean? Sinless. Uh, for being set apart from sin. Uh, we know First Peter 1, we're called, the uh, uh, Bible says there, but as he which has called you is holy, so be ye holy. Uh, yeah, okay, understand that. Uh, and, you know, you can, you can praise the Lord for what he's like. Lord, uh, praise you for your holiness. What, a, what an awesome thing that is. Lord, help me to be holy uh, like you are. We understand you've, you've called us to be holy. We understand the, the Holy Spirit has the ministry of sanctifying us, bringing forth the holiness uh, in our lives. Lord, help me to be yielded to the Holy Spirit, to be sanctified uh, by the Holy Spirit who indwells me. Uh, they say, holy, holy, holy. Gary, why three holies? Yeah, I mean, it, it might just be that. It might be that he's just that holy. You could go on forever emphasizing how holy. You could add holy, holy, holy. You could just go on. Uh, yeah, it, it, it could be that. Just sort of a... Um, 
a device that, that's used to emphasize his perfect holiness. Others have said, well, it might be an allusion to the, the Trinity or the triune Godhead, the holiness of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. I like that idea. I think that's a, that's a very wonderful possibility. Um, so they're, yeah, they're worshiping, they're praising him for his holiness. And then they say, Lord God, what? Almighty, uh, his omnipotence. Uh, in chapter 19, verse 6, the Bible says, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Alleluia is a, it's a transliteration of hallelujah uh, from the Hebrew to the Greek and then into English. The H dropped off in the process. Uh, praise ye the Lord. Yeah, praise him for his holiness. Uh, praise him for his omnipotence. Uh, he's the Lord God Almighty. So, uh, the, again, the content of their praise. Let's be instructed by this. They're praising him for his holiness. Uh, they're praising him for his, his power, his unlimited power, uh, his omnipotence. And, and then consider the last uh, portion of verse 8. Uh, speaking of the Lord, they, they're praising him. They say, which was and is uh, and is to come. What's that, Brother Ray? Uh, they're praising him for his what? Uh, Zach? What you, his eternality. Yeah, he was, he is, he, he, he is to come. Uh, they're just praising him for his attributes. You know, uh, this is something that I've been doing recently. I've got a list of God's attributes, and uh, each day as I pray, I'm focusing on one, one of them. Maybe I should be focusing on three of them. That's what, that's what we see here. Um, and and just, just praise, taking time to praise the Lord for who he is and, and, and what he's like. And, um, well, you have biblical mandate for spending time doing that. Uh, this does suggest that our, our praise, uh, rather our worship in eternity, uh, will be based around um, celebrating the Lord, praising him for his various attributes. And, you know, you can make a... You make a good long list of, of his various attributes. These are certainly three uh, key and, and very important ones. His holiness, uh, his might or his omnipotence, uh, and as Zach said, his, his eternality. Um, let's go a little bit further here. Uh, verse 9, when those beasts give glory and honor. What are the next two words there? And what? Thanks. Uh, and, and thanks to him that sat upon the throne. Uh, that's part of their worship also. So sure enough, they're, they're praising him for what he's like, uh, but they're also taking time to give thanks to him that sat upon the throne. There's a, there's a wonderful gratitude. We believe this is Christ. Um, and, and sure enough, we've got a lot to thank him for, for his obedience to the cross, for uh, our salvation. Um, and, of course, this, this aligns with uh, our, our verse that we're forever looking at, alluding to Philippians 4, 6, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, with thanksgiving, with thanksgiving, uh, let your requests be made known uh, unto God. So uh, gratitude and, and th thanking the Lord is to be part of our worship, is to be part of our prayer, and if I may suggest, part of our daily worship, our everyday worship, uh, and part of our everyday prayer also. The uh, last couple of verses here, John describes um, some more of the actions uh, of, the, of the elders here as they worship, the posture of their actions, a little bit more about their words. 
uh, see their posture. First part of verse 10, he says, four and 20 elders fall down before him that sat on the throne, uh, that their posture is, is worshipful. They're, they're literally prostrating themselves, falling down before the Lord. They're, they're worshiping him, not just with their mouths, but with their posture. Uh, their words are worshipful. Their posture before the Lord uh, is very worshipful. There's a wonderful humility that is being pictured here visually. Um, you know, you can, you can do the same in, in your private daily worship, but uh, probably more than the physical posture, what's more important is the heart that accompanies it, right? Lord, help us. Lord, help me as I worship you today, as I pray today, help me to have a heart that's bowed down before you, not exalting myself, but exalting you. Uh, Lord, humble me before you. Uh, second part of verse 10, we're almost done here, says they, uh, they worship him uh, that liveth forever and ever, uh, cast their crowns before the throne. And so, uh, yeah, there's, we've talked about that phrase an awful lot over the years. Seems to be uh, these who have been rewarded for service are casting their crowns back to the Lord uh, as part of their worship. Brother Way, acknowledging that their service that they carried out for which they were rewarded uh, was made possible by the one whom they are worshiping. And of course, as a reminder to us today also, I've said many times over the years also, Lord, give me a heart to serve you with the right heart, in the right place, in the right way, uh, how you want me to, all, all of those things, uh, so that I can earn those crowns from you uh, and use them to worship you in eternity. I hope, I've said before, I, I don't know for certain that we'll have the same opportunity that is being pictured here, but brother, I hope we will. And if we do, uh, I wanna have those crowns. And so, you know, crowns for service will be service um, in and through the ministries of a local church like this one, performed with the right heart. Those will be two themes of the New Testament, certainly. Uh, so they're worshiping with his, their posture, their actions, and of course their words, again, verse 11, and we're done. Uh, here they say, uh, thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. Why? For thou hast created all things. Uh, Christ is co-creator with the Father and uh, the Holy Spirit. He is not a created one. Uh, he is co-creator with the Father and the Spirit of all things. And he says this, they say this, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. Brother Mike, the Lord created all things for his pleasure. Um, we take pleasure in certain aspects of the creation. Zach and I were out yesterday, and I said, look up at the sky. Look how beautiful the sky is today. Uh, no doubt the Lord desires for us to take pleasure in his creation uh, and to be reminded of him as we do. But ultimately, ultimately, uh, everything that's created, including us, is not for our pleasure, but for the Lord's pleasure, for thy pleasure uh, they are and were created. Lord, give us hearts to please you today. We'll stop there. Father, thank you, Lord, for this amazing chapter. Uh, it is truly wonderful. Uh, Father, I, I pray today that um, among the things that we take from this chapter would be a, 
a heart to worship you uh, with great humility, uh, to worship you for, for, for what you're like, for who you are, Lord of Lords, King of Kings, uh, and for what you're like. Uh, Lord, we desire this morning that uh, our words, and so we, we see here this morning worship, uh, the content of the worship is praise for what you are like. Give us hearts, Lord, to worship you for what you are like uh, with humble hearts before you. Lord, thank you for your words. Thank you for the privilege to, to, to have them, to hold them, to teach them, to preach them. Uh, give us a hunger and thirst for you and your words throughout the day today and every day. Father, we love you, Lord. We thank you. We pray all of this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for being here this morning. We'll see you back shortly.